0: Welcome to Back to the Vax. I'm your host, Lydia Green. Um, today our guest is Laura, and her handle on TikTok is I Am Leveling Up. Uh, I've watched a few of her videos. She is a former crunchy mom, much like myself, and she is really good at communicating what that lifestyle is like and how she came out of it. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Laura. Can you uh, tell us a bit of your journey as a crunchy mom and what led you to come out of it?
1: Hi, I'm so happy to be here. I would love to tell you about my uh, fun story that some people might refer to as a train wreck on TikTok. Um, So in 2015, I was pregnant for the first time. And we moved 10 hours away from where we had been previously living. So I had no community at all. And I accidentally um, fell um, into a little bit of a, uh, a, into a situation with some other moms that um, I quickly became part of their community and I loved them and I thought that they loved me and I started following them in these really weird habits and beliefs that escalated. And before I knew it, five years later, I was, of course, an anti-vaxxer and was starting to see some red flags in my community. That was a few months before COVID hit. And I started exiting the scene slowly. And then when COVID hit, I escalated my... um, rise out of the crunchy lifestyle back to what people would call a standard American life. And three years later, here I'm at now. Um, I, I feel like I am fully separated from the crunchy lifestyle at this point.
0: Me too. Me too. What was one of the things that gave you relief that you could begin doing again? I think like I had, the, the, the ability to give my kids Tylenol or um, ibuprofen without feeling immense guilt was one of the most liberating things for, for me personally.
1: We go on family adventures every weekend, and those have changed dramatically since we um, are no longer a crunchy family because I don't have to um, pre-pack all of our meals in, you know these ridiculous containers that are very difficult and heavy to carry um, I don't have to pre-plan where we're going based on um, what toxins we can avoid um, for instance um, in the fall when my son was one year old I was going on a you know meet the moms um, I care it was like moms of toddlers group um, and they were going to a corn maze. But I suspected that the corn had been sprayed with Roundup. And so I refused to go. Um, there were a lot of things like that that I just didn't allow my children to be part of. Feeding animals at a petting zoo was one of them. Um, and now they they are kids. And it's, it's fun to watch them grow.
0: Yeah. Um, how much of this lifestyle do you think
1: is driven by anxiety? For me, 100%. I was always a fairly anxious person. But when I was pregnant, I was diagnosed with perinatal anxiety. And um, since then, it has not gone away. But I am medicated now, which feels like a world of difference for me, because I spent years villainizing big pharma and thinking that it would be the worst thing in the world if I were to take pharmaceuticals. And now on the other side, it's it's like breathtaking how different it is. Like I enjoy being a mom. I enjoy being in my life. And I know that that sounds like probably really dumb for people to hear. But when you go from being that anxious and wanting to exit your life, and then you can suddenly appreciate where you're at, it's, Changes everything.
0: Yeah, you you can be in the moment instead of worrying about all of these invisible threats um, that are out to get your child. It's I, I had a similar experience. Like I, so because I have Crohn's disease, um, and I've always felt like a failure using medication to treat it, and then just coming from a family that's very mistrusting of authority in general. You know, I kind of, it, it was. It kind of set the blueprint for me to fall into this as well, and I same thing like with after my third child, like I always had that that anxiety, but it really finally came to a head, um, and I ended up getting postpartum OCD and an eating disorder, which is orthorexia, which I maintain I probably had for the whole decade after my first kid anyway, but it just came to the point where I knew so much about every. Food, because I've been part of every uh, natural fad diet, that everything was toxic to a point. Everything had anti nutrients. Everything had things that would cause leaky gut. Everything would, you know, mess up your microbiome or whatever. So everything became poison and it tasted poisonous. And food didn't have flavor and I couldn't enjoy it anymore. And I had zero appetite and I was breastfeeding my son at the time and I couldn't, this was the first time in my parenting journey that I actually considered formula because I couldn't eat enough to breastfeed. And every evening he had no milk, but he also wouldn't take a bottle. So I would just switch sides and nurse from empty breasts and cry and it was the worst experience ever. And uh, I went to the doctor and I was, I still didn't want medication. I was like, no, this isn't postpartum. I, you should check my brain. Uh, There is uh, definitely a tumor in there because I can't function. And I just couldn't believe it was a mental health thing. I was certain I had a cancer or something and everything was awful. Like I, my heart would race from morning to evening. Evenings were generally the worst. And it was a living hell. And my doctor was almost going to send me away to a mental health facility. But she begged me one more time, like, listen, if you still have this SSR, if you have a brain tumor, SSRIs are not going to help you. So why don't you try the SSRI? And if you're still feeling miserable in a few weeks, we'll, we'll investigate further. And I was so desperate. I said, fine, I'll do it. And. It was amazing because like you say, like the medication really did take all that anxiety away and I was able to breathe again, you know, and parent again and, and enjoy life again. So I really can commiserate on that one.
1: <clears throat> um, I have never heard anybody say in those many words um, exactly what I went through like word for word. Um, the only difference is, is that I didn't have that doctor and I wish that I had had that. I had, I had an anti-vax doctor. Um, and my, uh, firstborn was, uh, the sixth to eighth percentile for weight. Um, I was nursing from empty breasts and begging, um, for any solution. And, um, was being told that it was that it was normal, it was fine. I remember seeing videos of moms on Instagram who were showing um, the milk that they had pumped and the fat plugs that were on top. And oh, I had okay. never once ever had a fat plug. i didn't couldn't even fathom what it would look like. I mean, I would put my the milk that I had pumped, which was barely anything. It was like half an ounce. I'd put it in the fridge and it would come out liquid. There was no difference between it. Yeah, it, it, that was,
0: that was like the, I think the death knell of the crunchy lifestyle for me was like going on medication and no longer worrying about every single thing that was going in my kid's body or my body and just understanding that, you know, food is not good or bad. It just is and it has nutrients. Some of it has more nutrients than others, but none of it's necessarily bad,
1: you know? None of that means that you love your kids any less or that you don't want them to be healthy. It just, like for me, um, when you talked about the orthorexia and like trying all these different diets, I remember distinctly having cut every single thing out of my diet. I was vegan. I would only eat like raw foods. Like I was so limited. And then I read The Plant Paradox. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you can't eat these certain plants, but you can still do this while vegan. And I was like, but I'm limited to four foods.
0: I have a funny story. This is going to be a great conversation because I have so, so many parallels with your life. So I did the vegan thing. And, um, and then I was talking to Dr. McDougall, who will answer your emails because he loves recruiting. vegans. Like he does. As a doctor, he'll give you advice that he has no right giving as a doctor um, and um, to in specific individuals he's never seen. And I remember asking him, um, uh, I still have Crohn's. I still am flaring. Like, what? I don't know if this diet's for me. And then he advised me to cut uh, gluten and um, legumes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, what am I going to eat? Oh, well, there's a plenty of, of protein in the vegan diet without those things.
1: It's and, just sodium husk powder, though.
0: And I was like, "What? <laughs> what? I'm like, I, that was when I finally like gave up on veganism because I was like, "How many things can I cut out of my diet before I'm left with nothing? Like, I. So yeah, and I, the vegan diet I, out of all of the diets were, was the worst for my health condition. Like I deteriorated to the point where I had fistulas and I needed life-saving treatment to get better. Like my doctor was like, I'm going to give you surgery or this biologic therapy and you can decide which one you want, but you need one or the other. And I'll, so I'll like, I didn't, cause I already had two Crohn's surgeries at that point. I was like, I'll take the medication and it worked, like, really well. <laughs> like, in days, I started recovering. So, yay science. But I was still feeling guilty about how I used medication. It was awful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I totally resonate with that. But I also, like, when you are talking about that, I feel immense guilt for the thoughts that I had about – um. People with chronic conditions and just yep. thinking like, well, how, it's about preventative care. And how did you let yourself deteriorate to that point? Like, I just didn't understand.
0: Yeah. Um, and that was me too. Uh, or and let's get dirty, but let's talk about that. Let's get in the nitty gritty because there are a lot of judgmental thoughts as well, being this type of parent. Like I remember seeing babies with bottles of formula and feeling sad for them. Yes. Did, did you get that too? Like just well, to-
1: I went to a foster parent training um orientation online and I remember asking if I could breastfeed the foster babies. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then them explaining to you no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "Okay, it's a government conspiracy clearly."
0: Yeah, I know. I so I had similar um, thoughts about that as well. Uh, I never went so far as to ask because I knew what the answer was. I I did fo- that. This is crazy too. I did foster care too. Um, I fostered because I. I um, after I had my daughter, I had um, a lot of plans to still parent, and my body just did not want to get pregnant. My kid, my first two kids are seven years apart because I just either had miscarriages or couldn't get pregnant and, um, I'd kind of given up. So I was, I'm like, you know what? I, I still want a parent. I want a mother. I have a lot of love to give, you know? So we fostered a boy. I didn't, and I didn't even want to necessarily foster infants, but uh, older kids that were closer to my daughter's age. But, uh, we got a call for a two week old baby and, and we took him. Uh, and, and I raised him for a year before they found family that was willing to take him. But, uh, same thing. I remember, um, wanting to, uh, if I, if, if I knew I wouldn't get in trouble, I would have like tried to find him breast milk, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I remember looking for like organic formula, um, ordering it from like, uh, Europe and feeding him that. And, um, uh, also feeling horrible about, uh, vaccinating him. Cause I had to, I could do it on my own schedule, but he had to have them all done within the first year. So he didn't have any vaccines till he was almost four months old. And, uh, I remember just watching him at night, like, is he going to pass away? Is he going to get SIDS? Like just being super paranoid that I was uh, like, I felt like I was hurting him. Like, I didn't feel okay with uh, vaccinating him.
1: I'm guessing you put him in clay baths after that?
0: uh, It wasn't clay baths. I ordered this product called Vaxashield. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And it had, like, probiotics and certain supplements in it. And um, it was designed to give uh, two weeks before and two weeks after vaccination, And that, so I would mix that into his formula. Um, And I did Epsom salt baths. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get into the clay. I did more like the Epsom salts, but uh, yeah, I just remember being so fearful for him after him getting his vaccines. And um, after, uh, so I, I was like nine months pregnant when he was a year old and went back To his family I managed to get pregnant and I was like blown away that I was able to stay pregnant that time and I had my son but I didn't vaccinate my son even though I had seen this baby get all his vaccines and be totally fine you know despite my beliefs I still was like no you know what I'm not gonna vaccinate him and um (laughs) I didn't and I, I didn't vaccinate my third baby either
1: I heard on Heather's story in your origin video, um, Mm -hmm. where she was saying that the pediatrician was like, your, your kid is three and a half and it's going to be absolutely fine if you vaccinate. Was that Heather's story? Yeah. Cause she was worried
0: about tetanus. Right.
1: (laughs) And I just remember like thinking the same thing too, because that's when I started vaccinating my firstborn and I was like, it would be so terrible if I kept him alive all this time. And then this one misstep happened.
0: (laughs) What was the one thing that made it okay? Like I know for me, the trope about the blood brain barrier, realizing I was wrong about that. I was like, what else? Like what broke the spell to make you like dig further and challenge all these myths that you believed about vaccination?
1: There was nothing that that broke it for me, um, absolutely at all, nothing. I remember driving to the pediatrician's office for the first vaccines that I had agreed to do and just knowing that I was driving my child to for the last time and just knowing that something catastrophic was going to happen and, and being furious at my partner. Um, oh, your partner time.
0: wanted you to vaccinate. Okay, I was like, why are you vaccinating if you were like feeling horrible about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, so I, I had this one friend, um, who a few months before uh, that, that, you know, fateful trip to the pediatricians to vaccinate for the first time. Um, she went on this huge rant. Um, and it, it was basically just every horrific thing that was against my morals and values. And kind of at that point I started to question everything and I, spent every single night crying to my partner and um, everything was kind of falling apart a little bit in terms of like our um, holistic lifestyle Mm -hmm. but when he would pull back I would kind of dig my heels in further and finally he was just like listen I gave you free range to to have an anti-vax kid for this long but at this point, um, we're questioning it. You know, they don't have the same morals as us. Could they be wrong on this as well? And um, I agreed finally to do it because it was such a sticking point in mm-hmm. in these in these. Um, we weren't having fights, but just debates that we were having. But yeah. I remember thinking this could lead to the end of everything for my family, and how horrible would he feel? How horrible would I feel? So. Finally, eventually, I did it. And, you know, surprise, surprise, my, my kid did not have any reactions. <laughs> so I just kept mm. going. But I, in order to be accepted into a pediatrician's office in the area, my child had to be fully vaccinated. And because he wasn't vaccinated, they wouldn't take us. And I finally begged one pediatrician's office to do it. But they said, um, we're only going to agree if you agree to do all of the vaccines. um, within a year, you'll be on the refugee schedule. The only one that you have a choice on is the flu vaccine. And because they were the only pediatricians that would take me, I thought, I will just go with it for a few months and see what happens.
0: And when you saw that nothing happened, um, did it alleviate your anxiety or you were still not reading the evidence that vaccines were low risk.
1: No, it did relieve my anxiety. Like I I was able to then go into the second visit with like 70% of the anxiety that I had the first time and then the next one with 50% and it just kept decreasing. But oddly enough, it didn't affect any of the other holistic habits in my life. So I had essentially removed myself from this group of people and just totally isolated myself, um, except for this one hiking group that we were still in, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, they knew that I was vaccinating and they kind of um, pushed me out of that group. So I eventually got isolated from them too. And so I was just vaccinating my kids by myself and still being super crunchy. Um, and it, so over the course of you know the next three years, getting up to this point, mm-hmm. it was a very slow process in getting rid of everything.
0: Um, let's talk about... Uh, Because a few of my um, peers that are in the medical profession are curious, what things did doctors do that cemented your beliefs further or helped made you like dig your heels in more? They're just curious because they want to know about the communication aspect. So when I was like, well, what what kind of questions you want me to ask? That was one of the bigger questions is what what can we do that would be helpful and what are we doing that makes it worse?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure you remember that we're basically fed this propaganda, you're, you're basically um, like given a script of what the doctor is going to say and what you can respond with and how that will make the doctor feel. And basically when you when you question them, when you're like, but why can't I ask this question? Then they are like, well, because because you're wrong um, and they just kind of blow up at you. And so I went into, I didn't know that it was a 100% vaccinated children only um, Pediatrician clinic when I was pregnant to interview a doctor, which is like the weirdest thing. But you know, the the crunchy community was like, before you before you give birth, make sure you interview to find the right doctor for you. And so I had this list of anti vax questions that I had pulled from the internet, and I started listing them off. Um, and I remember one of them was, "Why would you not allow um, a delayed?" vaccine schedule or an alternative vaccine schedule. Like that seems suspicious. And I remember he was like, get out of my office. I don't have the patience for any of you people anymore. Get out right now. And I don't care if you leave me a bad review on Google. And at the time I was like, oh, the, they were all right. My friends knew exactly what he was yeah. say. He would say he gave me this, you know, word for word. He is in a cult a hundred percent. Yeah. So I, th- I think maybe if he if he hadn't uh, agreed with me and didn't want me to ask the questions, if he had just been a little bit kinder, maybe it wouldn't have been so, um, it seemed so scripted off of what mm-hmm. they had said. But I completely understand now, in retrospect, why he got that upset. Because these are the questions he would hear over and over from people like my former self. I think
0: they don't understand, too, and... and- that we are prepared ahead of time by our cult on the signs to look for and the gotcha questions. Uh-huh. And I, I really inform them about like, make sure if you don't know something that you're not filling in a gap. To sound like you know what you're talking about like it's because sometimes they'll ask questions that you're probably not asked on a regular basis and you actually do need to like read up on and I have had friends even in my own community that have asked nurses or doctors questions and they've given the wrong answer uh, in, you know, a moment of trying to look like they know everything and it's okay not to know everything in the moment. So if you don't know something for sure, say you don't know and that you'll get back to them later because if they get you in that moment um, not being totally correct, they will use that as a reason to not vaccinate.
1: Absolutely. They have all of the main points in their head. They're, it's just that the science and data have been completely warped to be the opposite of what they're supposed to be. So they yeah. know what where the gaps are and- I yeah. think you're right that they're trying to catch you in a gotcha moment. Yeah.
0: You need to be ready for, and if you don't know, because we, we have so many different tropes going through our head regarding vaccination and we've, I have obsessively looked into them. And I'm sure you have too, you know, on your various uh, websites and influencers and how they break it down and cherry pick. And you don't know that's what's happening at the time, but that, you know, it all seems pretty legit and scientific Um, so yeah, they need to be ready for that. And uh, a lot of them are not. And then, you know, then you walk away going, I know more than this guy and I'm not letting him anywhere near my kids.
1: (laughs) Something else that would always happen to me was, um, well, my, my first child, I took to the ER quite a bit because he, um, had no depth perception or fear of anything. And so he would like constantly get, um, into these, You know, situations where he'd need like one stitch or I would just need a doctor to tell me like um, he's not going to, um, you know, nothing's going to happen to him because of this. So I was very high anxiety and would take him to the ER. And the first question they would ask was, is he vaccinated? And I get why they're asking that because, you know, they want to know if he needs a tetanus shot or something. But I would hear that as this happened because you're an anti-vaxxer and you're not a good parent.
0: Yeah. I remember I have a funny crunchy story actually. Um so I used to treat my daughter's ear infections with garlic oil. Of course. <laughs> and she was like six at this time. And so and she hated it. She hated the smell. She hated the oil in her ears. She she hated it. And um so I was doing this, and she was like, oh, my ear is all better. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> and, uh, but then she kept getting these fevers. And I was like, why is she get? what is wrong with her? And so I, I took her into the doctor, uh, the ER, because she just was not getting better. And um, she uh, she had an ear infection, <laughs> a bad one, a really bad one. But she was so sick of this treatment I was giving her that she um, uh, she told me she was fine. Oh <laughs> so God. that was that was really embarrassing. I I just remember feeling really embarrassed and like, well, first of all, I didn't. What I did wasn't working because she still had an ear infection. But I still couldn't reconcile that. And second of all, like I had egg on my face, like. <laughs> And I remember the doctor asking, is she vaccinated at that same appointment? And I was like, well, no. And he got so angry. He was like, do you want your kid to die? Is that what you want? And And I just remember leaving that appointment more entrenched in my belief than, um, you know, it didn't make me want to vaccinate her, you know?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Because, of um, course, I don't want my kid to die.
0: That's why I'm doing all this crazy
1: stuff. Like Nobody wants their kid to die. But we thought at the time that what we were doing was the only option in, to, in keeping them healthy. Um, but why did she get ear infect- infections if she wasn't vaccinated, Lydia? Like, that's what I would have thought. Yeah, she, and she wasn't formula fed. So right.
0: like, why, why was she getting ear infections all the time? Like,
1: so then I would have thought, okay, well, if this is happening, it's because of my childhood vaccines. So I need to detox her. Like, I never actually detoxed my kids, but that's probably the line that I would have gone down.
0: Um, And speaking of detox and and stuff like that, I, so when I was doing all these crazy things to treat my Crohn's disease, this is, here's the trap, you know, with these naturopaths and, and homeopaths when you start doing these supplements and diets and you feel worse and not better the cop-out is always it's die-off or it's detox it's not because this thing isn't working and your disease is progressing right (laughs) it's and so that's it's like gaslighting you into buying more things and in the time i didn't realize it so they would they would say or are you know are you getting gluten contamination? Or you know I think you need this one more supplement just to tweak your regimen, and then you'll come through this die off and detox and feel even better and be even stronger than you were before. And I totally bought into it. No matter how bad I felt, it was always my fault. It was always something I was doing wrong. It wasn't that they were wrong. Yep. Did you okay. feel that way too? Like, or did you notice that as well? Like anything that didn't work out was not the fault of the the cult or the program was, it was your fault.
1: Oh, absolutely. But something that, that I ruminate on constantly and it's actually flipped to, I'm not so mortified and just horrified that I went through this. Now it's actually like, it's kind of like a funnier story, um, is I went to a chiropractor, um, for, you know, getting my back cracked and she was a functional medicine doctor as well. Um so she did a lot of blood work and all of my blood work came back that I was 100% healthy in every single way. Like it was all just green ranges mm-hmm. and she said, "Well, actually, it is a conspiracy within the medical community and these certain things um, are not supposed to be green, but they have skewed it for the unhealthy people living the standard American lifestyle. So we need to tweak these, and you need to buy these supplements. And I have a three-stage detox program that I want you to buy. And um, the things that came out of me during the detox, um, it, now, obviously, it was like the clay and the psyllium husk and everything that had like formed this you know, tube. But I thought that it was all of the parasites leaving my body, oh, yeah. and I felt okay. terrible. But then the third stage—well, you know, the second stage was was a complete fast, yeah—and I felt terrible during that too. And then the third stage was reintroducing food, and I was like, I feel so much better. It's because, duh, I was eating again. <laughs>
0: I, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at me. And I, I understand <laughs> because like I did something similar. I did one of those IGG tests, which is a huge scam if you've yes. ever looked into the science. It's, it's such a scam. And I was allergic to everything. Like I think I was left with berries, meat, and greens. Those were the only... oh and thank God coffee. For whatever reason, I was not, I had no IgG to coffee. And he's like, Yep, for three months, that's all you can eat. And I, okay, if it means I'll heal my immune system, I'm willing to do it. And I did that. I lived off of basically nothing for three months and then introduced everything one at a time to see how it made me feel. And then did the IgG test. And it was just as bad as the first time. So, <laughs> so I wasted like $800 on these stupid tests Yeah, for something that doesn't actually mean anything. And there's actually evidence that shows that it shows immune tolerance when you have this IgG pro- protein. It doesn't mean that you're intolerant. It means that you are tolerant. So, yeah, it was a waste of money and embarrassing now. But, um
1: I don't remember which was which, but those tests told me that I was either allergic to grapes or raisins, but then fine with the other option. Yeah, like some of them make no sense. Like some of them <laughs> will say like,
0: oh, you, you're allergic to oranges, but lemons are fine. Right? Like, what? That makes no sense. <laughs> so yeah, no, don't waste your money on that. If every, anyone asks you to do that, run away.
1: I'm so surprised that you drank coffee, though, because I would have never had any caffeine. Like, I even cut out chocolate because it had, you know, minuscule traces of caffeine. Oh, no, I did,
0: like, the the bulletproof coffee. I was really into <laughs> paleo, a lot of it. Like, so I did the bulletproof coffee with the coconut oil or the butter every morning. That was my my energy drink, so to speak. And is
1: that advertised as the only mold-free coffee?
0: yeah so it is uh I didn't buy the brand bulletproof uh much I did buy it in the beginning and then I was like this is too expensive and I just stuck with like organic coffee and then I would make my coffee with uh with butter or coconut oil every day and um yeah the whole there's always something like they always have this new enemy in these groups as well like mold lime uh What's the other ones? Oh, EMFs. Um, oh my gosh. Like you literally if you actually believe this stuff and follow it, and I'm a perfectionist and I'm sure you are too, mm-hmm. you start to like you, it, there's no living it halfway, right? and it, and anything that's not perfect feels like poison and that you've failed horribly.
1: Something that was like my catchphrase that I would say all the time, essentially, was like, if you have the option, like, if you know that this thing is toxic and going to hurt your family, why on earth would you keep doing it? Like, unless you didn't care. Yeah, exactly. You don't
0: care as much as I care, clearly.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Yep.
0: Right, I had a catchphrase regarding vaccines, which was heavy in the mothering group. You probably because you started a little later than me, you probably missed out on the whole mothering. Mothering was a the the OG crunchy magazine. Um, Started in California, it was a magazine at first. Then internet killed magazines, and it went you know to an online blog with a forum and. The biggest part of the forum, and I highly recommend anyone just look at it if you want to know what anti-vaxxers believe, they have a, a forum called I'm Not Vaccinating, where they, um, just, uh, where they just talk about how bad vaccines are for various reasons. But uh, now I forget where I was going with this.
1: Well, I was not in the mothering magazine era, but I was in the um, Mothers for Vaccine Choice Oh, and yeah, yeah. Wellness Mama was my guru.
0: Yes. I did follow Wellness Mama for a bit too. And, um, and then I was in a few Facebook groups. I was in the Larry Cook one for a while. <laughs> that, oh <my> God. <laughs> that was, you know, and that's, I, I'm actually glad I was in those groups because I saw the shift happening. Because when I started, it was very liberal and very like left wing hippie. That still kind of followed some of the science regarding like toxins and stuff. But then I started noticing this shift in the belief system of the cult where it was more about these are satanic and they mess with your, you know, quantum energy. And like just because I had an education in science, it was too crazy for me.
1: Yes. Oh, the whole so 5D thing started getting me at the end. Yeah. Um, and so that's, I I started my screen name, I Am Leveling Up, as like a, um, a satirical thing for, like, not that I was making satirical videos, but just that, like, well, I thought that that was how I was leveling up. But now I truly am by leaving this lifestyle.
0: hmm And it is a cult. Mm-hmm. I'll maintain that. And and I've seen you call it a cult as well. And the reason why I say it's a cult, because if you're in a group, like let's say you join Weight Watchers and then you quit Weight Watchers and then um, you tell everyone you quit Weight Watchers, they're just like, okay, I wish you the best. Bye. No one cares if you leave. But when you leave anti-vax or the wellness cult, um, they will... Talk very poorly about you and they will make up things about you so that their members don't look into what you're actually doing because they're afraid they'll lose numbers and that's why I think that's my biggest and then the obsession with purity is also a very cult-like belief um
1: I got dragged through the mud when I left. Um, I don't know what they were saying about me, but I was blocked from um, all of the Facebook groups that I had been a part of. And um, a friend was saying that they were um, speaking poorly about me, but wouldn't tell me what. So I know that it was like really bad. Um, And then I had wild things happen. Like, um, one time I found a whole bunch of smashed eggs in my driveway. Um, one time my BLM sign was stolen from, from my, um, from the road. Um, just these crazy things happen. I, I was like so paranoid. I closed my Facebook, like you can deactivate or you can delete. And I totally deleted my Facebook. I deleted mine too. Yeah. (laughs) I changed my phone number I was scared. <laughs> yeah,
0: you must have lived in a more um, crunchy area.
1: Um, I live in the middle of Trumpville. I'm Absolutely. I'm very rural, and my oh, I guess because they
0: did shift, like yes, the groups did shift. Like, we talk about that, you talk about that pipeline, and I know about the pipeline too, the pipeline of wellness to like alt right. Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. It, it, so I just found out actually in an article that I was reading that we are not supposed to say alt-right or Q because it desensitizes people into thinking that, um, well, these crunchy habits are natural and good for the planet. So alt-right or Q must be as well. Yeah. We're supposed to say white supremacy.
0: Yes. And it, I mean, essentially that's what it is. There's a really good, uh, I'll plug a podcast that I, um, was on and, um, really explains a lot of this. And it's the conspirituality podcast. I don't know. I
1: just downloaded your episode, but I haven't listened to it yet. Yeah.
0: And there's a lot of good episodes on people like yoga gurus that, you know, the guy that, uh, interviews Matthew Remsky, he was actually in a yoga cult and, uh, and that sounds silly yoga cult
1: was it like like the wild wild west was that what it's called on netflix uh i don't know if
0: he was in that one i've seen that i don't think it was that one it was it was one of the more recent ones that i think they have a lot of like um set up uh like retreats and stuff and Mm -hmm. yeah i mean he was like heavily into it but he came out and now he interviews people that are in these kind of cult like mentalities or people that got out or people that are experts in it and he's yeah his and and conspirituality is like the correct term because it really does those two groups actually have coalesced into one you know the whole conspiracy uh lifestyle and the wellness lifestyle yeah, um, have converged for sure
1: well i mean if you go into any Um, spiritual store, they, right along with the crystals, they have, you know, the tools that you need for a coffee enema or just the most ridiculous things.
0: The obsession with enemas is something else, isn't it?
1: (laughs) It really is. I remember the last time I did one, I thought I am going to need to go to the hospital right now because I something has exploded in me. This is not good.
0: I read. So on one of these like forums, so someone is like co-opted it and like sharing like um, tweet or not tweets, messages that people leave. And the worst one I read was somebody who had cleaned out their enema bag with hydrogen peroxide, but forgot to wash it out and basically gave themselves an enema with hydrogen peroxide and burned their insides and had to go to the hospital because they had burned their lower colon with hydrogen peroxide. Oh, my
1: God. That's terrible. That's so terrible. I know. We're laughing. Like, I don't want to laugh at this, but like that could have happened to us. Oh, my God.
0: I know. It's it's not funny. It's not funny.
1: No. Oh, my God. I feel so bad to them.
0: Yeah, that whole enema thing is – They, and it comes full full circle. I've also seen them because there's like the urine part of the call. I did not get into the urine therapy. I didn't either. I I left before that got into this really big thing, but I was reading about some people using their urine for enemas.
1: Like, (laughs) (laughs) what? Well, I so I remember reading something about that in an Ayurvedic book, um, which was totally um, cultural appropriation, because I think it was written by um, a white person who didn't know anything about anything. But I remember it was um, so that you could pull from the urine all of the um, vitamins and nutrients that your body had accidentally expelled And that somehow your body would be smart enough to keep the toxins out and only take the vitamins back in.
0: Here's the thing. If my body is so great and knows what it's doing, why is it (laughs) expelling vitamins that I need? Like that's the conflict. Seriously, that's a conflicting idea, right? Is like my body is strong and it can kill measles, but I also need to give myself a urine enema because my body is dumb and got rid of all these vitamins. Like I just, there's, it just seems to change to just suit their bias at, in the moment like this there's no consistency in the beliefs that's what I've realized since leaving is like it's it's the it just changes to suit whatever theory they have about the body in the moment
1: it's so wild because I everything that they came out with that was like um you know, like follow the science um, and then go in the opposite direction. Um, I, like now I'm reading those same studies and I'm like, how did I warp that in my mind to mean the opposite thing? It, it just doesn't make any sense.
0: I just remembered where I was going with the mothering thing. The saying that we had in the mothering cult was, I would rather treat a sick child than injure a healthy one. Yes. That was the saying. That was the, the cult tagline, and so anytime I entertain vaccination, I would ask myself, like, what's better? And like, that's dumb. <laughs> like, yeah. if you can prevent, it's it doesn't take a risk benefit analysis into account because a vaccine is really low risk, and if you can prevent your child from getting these diseases, that risk is worth taking. Absolutely. But, like, I remember being in that group and thinking that, "Oh, wow, that is so profound, you know, <laughs> but it's it's not. It's a harmful ideology.
1: I think that I mean, I, I don't know this for sure. I've just been looking through old pictures recently, and I think that when my firstborn was two, um he had the measles. Wow. I took pictures of him. He was covered head to toe in these like um, very light chicken pox looking things, but they weren't actually blisters. And, and
0: it, it wasn't roseola?
1: It, it could have been. Um, I remember taking him to the pediatrician who was an anti-vax doctor and him saying like, well, just, just wait it out. Just try these things. It doesn't matter what it is. His body is fighting it just just fine. Um yeah with his 104 degree fever. Mm-hmm. And, um, like I'm comparing that and the level of anxiety that I felt and all the treatments that I tried and everything to all of his vaccine reactions combined, which was essentially 10 minutes of nothing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just, it didn't that avoiding that risk for so long. Like what were we thinking? It, because it just added up to, nothing there was no risk I mean I know that there is some risk but wow we got so lucky that nothing happened to our kids yeah during that time
0: my daughter and I had influenza Mm. when she was three and I didn't realize it at the time I thought it was just me that had influenza and that she had something else because she was vomiting and I didn't know influenza in children can cause vomiting and diarrhea sometimes too And so she could not keep anything down. And I was calling the nurse's line every day to make sure that she was okay because I couldn't bring her in because I was so sick myself. And I remember feeling like it was a rite of passage that we had come through this horrible illness that as a teen, my daughter still remembers as the puke sickness. And she was three. Um, And she had lost weight and she was already like your first kid was tiny too. My daughter was a third percentile kid. So she was, she's, and she's shorter than me. I'm five one. My daughter at 14 isn't going to grow much more and she comes up to my shoulder. Um, So she's just a tiny kid. But I just remember after we had, cause she couldn't even eat solids for three days. And then um, for another three days, it was just fluids like soups and stuff. So she had lost quite a bit of weight. And I remember finally being able to give her a bath because that's how sick I was. And just seeing her spine and her ribs and being like, wow, she lost weight. She didn't even have, but I just remember her, um, just being so deathly. Like she just looked awful. And, um, and then like, rewriting it in my mind, like, oh, we survived. Now she's stronger for it. Yeah. And it was completely unnecessary. Like
1: mm, natural immunity.
0: Yeah. Like if you can prevent suffering in your children, you should. Like she yes. didn't, she didn't have to go through that. She we could have just got flu shots. And it would have been hopefully, you know, even if it wasn't a good match, it still show there's evidence that it's less severe. And um yeah, I, I cannot believe that I warped that experience into something positive because it really wasn't. And she was so close to probably, you know, having something severe happen.
1: But you really have to warp, warp it because, um, otherwise it's just so traumatizing. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like you, I, and, and that is with, with any trauma, you do what you can to f- make it fit into your world so that you can survive. Right. And, but when it comes to like something like that, there's a lesson to be learned. And the lesson wasn't, Oh, she's a stronger person. It was, Oh, this is why vaccines are important. Um, One more question. Uh, I asked the first one was like, what people shouldn't do. What should healthcare workers do to, enhance communication with their patients without alienating them? Like what can they, how can they approach this uh, crunchy and anti-vax parent to have something hopefully reach them?
1: Yeah. So I think that um, something that is glossed over a lot um, when a new baby is born is the parents experience um, and for me, as a new mom, I was just completely inundated with the anxiety and worry that something would happen to this tiny creature under my care, um, and so I think that that even if it's a pediatrician who is focused on the child, like just being a kind, caring, compassionate person to the mother and not acting like the mother is just this vessel for holding the child, I think that that goes a long way because. The the one thing that, that everyone seems to have in common in getting sucked into this crunchy lifestyle and ultimately the crunchy cult is that they don't have that support and they don't have that kind, caring, compassionate person who care who gives a shit about them at all. Sorry for swearing. Um,
0: oh, no, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I swear a lot. So, <laughs>
1: um, I just I just feel like if you have somebody who is a safe person. Even if you don't trust them in that moment, if you can think back later, um, that person that person is safe. Then they're more likely to go to you when they are ready to vaccinate.
0: I I totally agree. Um, there is a a lacking of even just asking the mother, like, are are you okay? Like, how how are things? How has this been? This is a major. Having a child is one of the most life changing things that can happen to a person. You lose your identity. And a lot of people don't realize how much that happens. And you do mention, and it was similar for me. So I left my, uh, where I was from, my city, to move to a small mountain town. And uh, I was quite lonely. And I was also, you know, coming into this role as mom, after being, you know, a career person. And losing that identity and then also not having any friends. And then also, you know, um, having negative healthcare experiences even before I had my daughter and then, you know, finding this crunchy community that seemed to care. And that actually gave me advice that worked. I, I remember the first time writing a forum post, it was because I was struggling with breastfeeding and my doctor said, don't be so broken hearted if it doesn't work out. And I was like, but I want to breastfeed. And so asking this group and then their advice working, um, it gained my trust in a way that the doctors didn't. So I think it's very important, especially if, you know, during pregnancy to have these conversations and to gain that, that trust.
1: For me, the only person that I had besides Um, you know, my, my crunchy cult friends were, was my partner. And I remember watching this TED talk before I even became pregnant that I thought was absolute BS at the time, but the TED talk was, was a couple and they were showing these um, statistics that they had compiled. I'm, I'm not sure if they actually studied it, but it basically said that the worst part of your marriage is that first year that you become a parent. And at the time I was like, okay, I just won't let that happen to me. But it really is just so stressful and life-changing. And then if you were like us and you left your career and you left your friends and you're isolated like this, and then your marriage is also feeling stressful, I mean, going to the doctor and having that person ask you how you are, that might be the only time anyone ever asks you.
0: Yeah. I used to be a La Leche League leader. And oh, of, course. <laughs> of course I was. <laughs> and, um, I remember asking women, um, what do you want to do? Because I would get these like, everyone says I should do this. And and I, for, from, from my point of view, like there were women that didn't want to breastfeed and I didn't want to like spend all this time giving them advice if that wasn't what they wanted. And uh, so I would ask them, what do you want to do? Like everyone says you should do this, but if, and, and some women would cry. Nobody has ever asked me what I want. Oh, and they would just have this breakdown and I'd be like, okay, well I'm asking you, what do you want? You know? And they'd be like, I do want to breastfeed, but it's so hard. And I don't know, you know, and then because they were calling the like they usually did want to breastfeed, but there were women that were ready to stop. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, being in La Leche League, I couldn't give them formula advice. I'd have to tell them to call their local public health.
1: Which is hard because sometimes people are just asking for permission to not feel like the worst parent ever.
0: I think that was the saddest thing because, yeah, if you tell them that, like, I'm not going to talk to you about this because I only believe in this. Like, I think it did make women feel bad. Yeah, for quitting, and so that's why I think there are better breastfeeding support groups out there than the LHJ League. Although their breastfeeding advice is pretty solid at, most of the time,
1: they have like uh, training that they that is yes. specified. So yes. yeah I had to go
0: through training uh, to become a leader, and I had scripted things I had to say uh, for certain issues, and um, but I would always ask. Yeah, that was my biggest thing is before I even like started telling them what to do or how to do it, I was like, "What? Well, what do you want? Because like that is how I can help you. And a lot of them were not ready for that question. And it evoked a lot of emotion. Yeah. Do you have anything you want um, people that are considering leaving this lifestyle or lightening it up a little?
1: I I mean, the one thing that that keeps sticking with me in everything that I read is that so very few people make it out of this lifestyle and um, even fewer talk about it. So I really am so grateful for meeting people like you and all of the ex-crunchy friends that I've made on TikTok because I thought when I started this journey that I was the only person. That I was embarking on another totally isolated experience, and um, I want people leaving to know that they don't have to be—they don't have to go through that again. They don't have to be alone. That there are a lot of us who, even though we won't know exactly how to help them from a distance, we can we can give them support and we can be kind to them,
0: because our group is people that are kind of coming out of this. Um, I think this is an important conversation and I think it's just as important as talking to experts, um, in when it comes to deconstructing this lifestyle and, um, thank you for talking about it. I, I, and I didn't bring up that. So (laughs) you did something and I just think it's interesting because I actually never did it. Um,
1: you ate your placenta. I was like, where is she going to go with this? <laughs> I did. Um, the first time I was only brave enough to dehydrate it, even though they were like, you need to eat it raw, fresh. Oh and my God. It, in retrospect, I think that it created my low milk supply and it made my, um, I, like, I don't think I had postpartum psychosis, but I think I was like a hair away from there. And I think that it made that experience so much worse. For me, I think it also made my baby sick. Um, yeah, to have that milk. But then the second time, I was like, I'm gonna try it again and just see how it goes. And I, um, I was laying in bed. I had like barely just expelled the placenta, and they whisked it off to the kitchen and in my wow. own blender, um, <laughs> blended it up with um, a Costco mm. smoothie packet. And I remember oh, yeah. being like horrified of the plastic that they were using. <laughs> Um, And then they brought it back to me. I mean, the placenta would have still been warm, but they mixed it with frozen ingredients. And Mm -hmm. I drank it. And I also had pills afterwards, but I didn't end up finishing the bottle of pills. Um, And this time around, the second time around, I did not have um, as bad as of postpartum depression.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing is that without a controlled study, we can't actually know that if it was just that's the way it was going to be this time or it actually helped.
1: Exactly, And
0: that's that's where a lot of uh, myths in these alternative health communities come from is because a lot of things are self-limiting and you use this, you know, thing for a cold and you think it helps, but your cold was going away anyway. Like, and that's why science is so important is because without that, um, study, uh, you know, double blind or whatever, or randomized control trial, we can't know that. So, and it goes back to COVID too. When people are like, I took ivermectin and I got better. Yeah. So <laughs> COVID is, a, so I'm not going to deny that for the majority of people, COVID is a self-limiting disease. So how do you know the, the ivermectin helped so far, the studies show it doesn't help. So, mm-hmm. or it's negligible. So like, yeah, you did that. And then also, if you think it's just a cold, why are you running and taking these medications with huge side effects? And why are those side effects okay, but the vaccine side effects are not okay?
1: That is such a good question that I've never even thought about.
0: You know, like, why is it okay to take all these meds? Like, one of the med regimes they have has um, an SSRI on it. And (laughs) when indicated, SSRIs are great, um, but they also have black box warnings the vaccine doesn't have a black box warning the the, the drugs on their list do like, so that, like that hypocrisy is what keeps me in check. Cause I, I, now I'm like laser focused on these inconsistencies that they have. And that's mm-hmm. how I keep it real. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> using like the hierarchy of evidence and watching for those conflicting ideas that, you know, they all seem to have now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but That was that was great. Um, Thank you so much for for doing this and spending an hour with me. Usually I try to keep it half an hour, but I think this conversation is so important and it will be so helpful to to people that are coming to our group. I invite you to if you're on Facebook, I invite you to join our group. It's called Back to the Vax. It's a private support group. There's a questionnaire to enter and we all just kind of support each other through vaccination. It's evidence based. Um, We do accept if people take their time because I had to take an Ativan for my kids' first vaccines. Um, it was very nerve wracking. And uh, so I realize it comes with a lot of anxiety. So yeah, we just kind of share our successes and, and our concerns. Like some of us get a welt, you know, and then they come in and they're like, Oh, is that okay? And yeah, my son gets one every time and he's fine. So, you know, um, yeah. So I encourage you if you, if you have an account to join us, cause I think you'd be a very good support, but um, that's it. I think I'll, I'll end it there. Thank you. Thank you so
1: much for having me on. I'm truly honored.
0: All right. Have a good day.
1: Thank you. You too. Bye-bye.